This is the Loud Pedal Podcast, talking all things supercars, with your host, Chris Stubbs. Well, hello and welcome to the Loud Pedal Podcast, brought to you by Super Cheap Auto. Great to have your company once again, and great to have back the Managing Director and Co-Owner of Shell V-Power Racing, Supercars Commissioner, better known, though, I think, for his work as, what shall we call him, a founding father of this podcast last year, Ryan Story. Welcome back, mate. Dovesy, great to be with you. And great to have two-time Bathurst winner back with us again, Will Davison, Milwaukee Racing. Wilbur, how are you? Very good, Stubbsy. Thanks for having me on. Mate, thanks for joining us. I guess, first of all, in general, how did you guys find the Super Night? I guess, uh, Ryan, for you, two wins, it was pretty much perfect. Well, I kept I kept having to remind some of our partners present that we only had two cars in the race. So to have a 1-2 on Saturday and qualify on pole and second on Saturday, it was about as good as uh, – on Friday, rather, it was about yep. as good as it gets. We weren't quite able to back that up on Saturday, but we still managed to take away a win. So it was a pretty good hunting ground for us, as Perth has been for the last uh, three seasons now. Absolutely. Congratulations on it, Mr. Consistency. Will finishing sixth and eighth. Just looking at your stats before, qualifying average of eighth this year and an average finishing position of eighth, seventh in the championship, mate. You're just always there, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I don't, want to, I don't want to get too consistent. But, I mean, when, you, <laughs> when you're trying to lay a foundation for a year, I mean, we're, we're doing what we can at the moment. Um, obviously, I said at the start of the year I wanted to make sure we're consistent top five, top six runners. And when you can put yourself there weekend in, weekend out, um, obviously then start trying to raise the bar. And I'm at that yep. point now where I'm getting a little frustrated with fifth and sixth, which is a good thing. Mm. And uh, we're just trying to obviously now fine-tune a couple of those tiny little details which will hopefully give us the, the next step to the podium. Well, in terms of a spectacle, what did you think of the driver intros this year, the second time round with night racing, the fireworks, etc.? How did you think the intros all went? Uh, I mean, we were just cruising around in the car on our own there, knowing that they were um, obviously adding um, the perspective for the television with the fireworks going on over the rise and, uh, you know, a bit different to Sydney, but um, I was trying to look for a big screen to see what it actually looks like. Uh, <laughs> All I can say is the pyrotechnics, I think, were fantastic. Some of those blokes were wonderful. I was trying to stay cool on the grid before the races and those, those damn fireworks kept going off and it was, it was getting, me the, getting the sweats happening. But uh, it was, it's pretty cool. I tell you, when the five-second board went up for both starts, we all dropped the things on the limiter and started seeing all the, the flames coming out the exhaust of the cars around you. It sort of uh, hits, hits home a little bit that it's a, it's a real spectacle. Yeah, very I, I cool. Know, I don't know who was producing those chroma key scenes with the drivers, but, man, some of them were ordinary. <laughs> yeah, not so sure about Chas Mostert and the socks on the hands. They're not really sure what that one was about. But, anyway, we love personality, so that's good. How many then, night racing, how many is the right amount per year? I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, for us, I'll be I'll, I'll be flexible. Obviously, we want it to to work for the teams. I think we need to to fine tune the scheduling a little bit. Yep. Um, if we're going to go down that uh, platform, and if it works for the events, um, you know, we, we will do what works for the sport. At the end of the day, there's pros and cons from a driving point of view. Um, but if it, if it's going to work for the event and get the numbers up and make a great spectacle. Um, I'd, I'd call it, I reckon, uh, definitely more than one, but you wouldn't want to probably go more than three. Ryan? I reckon places like Perth and even Queensland Raceway, I think it would work really, really well. 
Bev, Absolutely. any others for you, Will, that you'd like to see that? Is there a particular track that jumps in mind to you? Um, it's a bit bit hard to tell. I think, um, you know, interesting when you think of a street race, I, I don't quite know how we could pull that off. The only mm. one you could really possibly think of is like a Townsville because it's a, it's a slightly um, shorter lap and maybe a little bit easier to light, but uh, it'd be pretty wild. I, I don't know if we could quite pull it off, but that sort of an event or Darwin, I think, you know, could be pretty spectacular. Absolutely. Hey, Ryan, quick one for you. What was the issue with um, Scott's starts? The clutch on Friday night he mentioned he thought there was an issue with, but uh, not, not his best weekend of starts. Luckily, he was at the right end of the field that he could afford it. Now I can look. I could take. I could take the phone with me and wander through the building to find him. He's here at the moment. <laughs> Feel yeah. for me. Feel for it. In both instances, it was a, a very similar thing. He just didn't have as much throttle, and it's a really high grip surface, so uh, it just didn't 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 get the best out of him that time around. But we expect him to find his his true form yep. uh, next time out at Winton. So uh, we're not we're not too phased by it. He, 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 I checked. I checked. I double checked the record books before I came came on air with you folks, and he managed to win both races. So I, I think that it's uh, managed to managed to podium and, and win 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 a race. So it worked out all right. No, good point. Good point. Um, so I get back to the the calendar. Tassie, I, I believe, will be announced shortly, if not by the time most of our listeners hear this. In terms of next year, what would you like to see change? There could be some significant changes. What are the concerns when the the sport is putting together the calendar for you. Will, as a driver, what, what do you want most out of the calendar next year? I mean, there's been lots of talk about the, the summer season. Uh, you know, we have to be very careful. I mean, first and foremost, it's it's giving all the crews, uh, you know, a good break. So mm. I, I'm not quite sure um, whether that would work, whether, you know, how it would work. Uh, but what do I want to see? I mean, uh, no, I mean... I think we need short, sharp sort of uh, events, nice and close together like we've got. Uh, but, yeah, it would be healthy at that, uh, yeah, that time of the year in the middle if we're going to sort of compact the start and the end of the season. It certainly need to give uh, all the teams a bit, of a, a bit of a break. Yeah. Ryan, obviously you're involved as a commissioner in, in these sorts of discussions, I can only assume. What are the number one or two sorts of priorities that you're looking at or concerns that you have to juggle when you're trying to manage this because clearly it's a it's a pretty tough gig there's a lot of people you're trying to keep happy well when you put your team hat on the first thing is logistics you want to make sure that there's plenty of space between each event so you can get the cars back to base turn them around and and send the trucks on the road again but one of the things that uh, sean seaman deserves an enormous amount of credit for is the way in which he's gone about putting together this forthcoming calendar. He's looked at data analytics. He's looked at weather patterns. He's looked at uh, uh, TV ratings across the board and tried to put together a, a series of events in a specific order that basically takes into account all of those various factors. And I think it's the first time we've ever done that before as a sport. So when you take an analytical approach, you're going to end up with a calendar that, be- that best suits all as opposed to best suits the minority, as we've seen occasionally in the past. So mm. I think if we if we end up with a calendar that has a couple of weeks between events, particularly for the Queensland teams that always seem to be on the road, we're certainly heading in the right direction from our perspective. But so long as we've got that continuity and that, that we're regularly on TV, uh, we've hit it. We've we've ticked another box as well. So I think I think you'll find that that uh, will it, it will certainly be different to what we've been used to in the past. But there's some data science behind it that. Uh, it really has driven some of those decision-making. 
Well, we have less races. There seems to be a call from teams that, as Will referred to it, it's really tough on crews. Yeah, look, I think I think we can be prepared to see to see some changes in that regard, but okay. far far be it for me to comment on on that side of thing until we see it. Yep, fair enough. Um, the Mustang, I've got to ask you. We don't want to harp on it because enough has been said. But for you personally and your team, how hard have these last three, four, five weeks been? It's been particularly challenging because it's been a political fight as much as it's been a scientific fight. So I think when you take those things into regard. Uh, it wears folks like me out. I've got to give you the hot tip. But uh, we've managed to get through it. The guys have done a terrific job. I mean, the new rear wing end plates didn't actually arrive until we got to Perth. So the first time we'd seen them was at Perth because they required a whole new manufacturing process. We couldn't just cut cut and shut what we already had. But yeah. we, we, we basically went into Perth practice not entirely knowing what we had, what we had underneath us. Uh, we've obviously, and it's been widely reported, we did some CFD analysis of the changes to try and understand what it meant for the car, and that was some information that we shared with Tickford along the way as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, we managed to still have a car that was uh, capable of winning races. And and you did see a mix-up in the order, which is, I think, what uh, think the desired effect. Well, for you, and I understand there's a, a group text between Mustang drivers, is, is that correct? Oh, they must have left me out of that. <laughs> <laughs> How hard is it when you hear comments that guys are only doing well, and, and Scott's referred to it a little bit in the past, because of this car? For, for someone like yourself, how hard is that to, to be hearing that? Yeah, I mean, in, in, in uh, seriousness, we, we sort of probably has brought us a little bit closer. You know, I, I rang Scott last week before Perth because uh, you, you're trying to find out exactly – what's going on we're you know just hearing lots of noise and no one's really been sure exactly what's going on and you want to make sure from our team's perspective that our case is being put forward as well accurately mm. and it's not the squeaky wheel gets the oil so uh, as long as it's done correctly and analytically and not knee jerk that that's all you can ask for and uh, it has been disappointing because in some aspects, it's it's so clear that the teams that are, are running well are just doing a, a sensational job. And it's never been any different in our sport. Um, they're 99% mechanical. I mean, they're a big, heavy car. They're undertired. And getting a mechanical balance, getting the tire to work in these cars is, you know, you're, you're all the way there if you can get that working. Yes, the aero is incredibly important and sensitive, but it's, it's the smaller part of the equation. And... Um, I think now um, we're just seeing a Mustang, which has been built incredibly well, and you've got in, in the likes of DJR Penske, obviously right at the top of their game, and um, yeah. and Tickford doing a good job as well, you know. And uh, we've got a bit to improve, but it has taken away, I think, from um, the job they're doing as a team. And it's been more than the aero that they've changed this year. At the back half of last year, I know there were significant changes to their car mechanically, and uh, I know firsthand how different my car is to what it was last year under the skin. So, yeah, um, yeah it, ha- it has been disappointing, but um, is what it is. Ryan, who is the one that draws the short straw and has to call the captain when these changes have been made? As the managing director, have you had to make that call and say, this is what the sport is doing to us? Many, many times, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, How's that gone down? Well, look, it's it's one of those things where, uh, for those folks, it's understanding the rule book and and the ramifications of some of these changes, and and uh, you know we've played, I believe, the political card as best as we could in in the face of what's ultimately a scientific challenge, 
and that's to ensure that we we see the changes made that that, uh, that best suits us that still meet the objectives of supercars. And it's been widely publicised that the changes that have been made have had to go through a pr- an approval process with the series where they've undertaken their own CFD analysis. It's been quite a rigmarole. And that's something that we've done uh, hand in hand with Tickford. We've shared and been been quite open with them along the way as we've gone through that process. But it certainly hasn't been easy. And look, I'm sure if Roger Penske would he- were here, he'd tell you this is it's unlike any sport he's been involved with before, in terms of how it's been uh, how it's gone about itself. But uh, that's that's in the past now. We have to look forward and concentrate on the future and continue to go racing and do the best that we can. And you know, Tickford are a formidable team. I think we've proven ourselves to be a formidable team over the past couple of years and, and it shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone when we have on-track success, regardless of whether we're racing a Falcon or a Mustang. Well, that's the thing, the team champion from a couple of years ago in a Falcon, the, of course, driver's champion last year in a Falcon. Um, Scott got burnt big time by the captain, didn't he? Did you set that up with the handshake getting brushed? Because it was good TV. I took tremendous satisfaction <laughs> seeing that footage. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I, I replayed it. I reckon I've replayed it <laughs> half a dozen times just for my own amusement. Uh, good stuff. Likewise, uh, do you guys fear more changes? Either of you will as a driver? Uh, I'm I'm out of the loo. I'd be. I, I really. I don't know. I, I haven't really known since the get go what was really going on. Seems to be moving balls a little bit, but I I can't see it. You know, I think. You know, obviously we had quite significant changes um, going into Tasmania um, and then again two rounds later to the Aero. Um, you know, it's asked a lot of our teams, you know, when I think all, all we've done and all Ford's done and everyone's just done a great job. They've done um, a great job getting this car built and to then go to Perth uh, with an untried Aero package without a test day, I thought it was pretty full on. Fortunately, mm. the cars were still quite well balanced and it didn't affect us too much. But there's still a bit of that question mark going into some other tracks. And, um, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd hate to think what would happen if there were more changes. But, yeah. yeah. Is that in case closed, Ryan? Do you, do you, is that your understanding? Or has there still been less scope that, that if the sport deems it necessary that there might be other areas of the car looked at? Well, the rules are the rules under A1.4, and uh, that's not going to change. But uh, I think that what's exacerbated the problem is that you've got a car in the ZD Commodore that's got a more rearward balance um, over a more traditional uh, 60-40 type uh, aero balance overall. And I think that that's exacerbated their issues as, uh, as some of those, those teams have got their heads around the twin spring or the lack of twin spring and, and how that was used to tune the front of the car and get the car to rotate. So I think that we've seen some other issues that have perhaps uh, polluted the, the the air the air so to speak in terms of of how good this car really is, and I think it's been con- a convenient excuse when you've you've had uh, six cars close to the front and some other cars not not quite uh, not quite up there with them for other reasons. Mm. It's been very convenient to to say that the Mustang strengths are an excuse as to why uh, why those results have played out the way that they have. I think I think um, I've just only thing it's been a bit annoying. I keep reading that all six Mustangs are up there. Um, it's not six Mustangs from six different teams. You know, it's it goes without saying that the the DGR Penske guys are incredibly fast. I mean, that's no surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's four from our stable. Um, four very quality, um, you know, drivers and 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 a quality team. And since when in our sport, if a, if a team's got an advantage with their cars, since when aren't they one, two, three? I mean, how many times have we seen 
Jamie, Shane and Craig lock out the podium a long way in front. So the level of our sport now, if, if we've got one quick car in the team, uh, we're going to have four quick cars and we're working really well together as a team and quite often we're getting all four cars and drivers quick and obviously with those other guys uh, right at the front, that makes six of us and um, mm. it's pretty unfair to keep judging it as all six Mustangs up there when it's really two quality um, teams doing a good job. I think you only need to look back to Sandown last year where I think if we didn't have a late safety car, all three of those Triple Eight cars would have lapped the field. Mm. Good point. I haven't heard that one raised too many times. Um, the first Manufacturers Council meeting was held this week. Were you part of that, Ryan? Who's on that? No, that was, uh, that was um, I believe, Jim Campbell from GM, uh, Mark Rushbrook from 4 Performance, and I think okay. some other representatives were there. Do you have any insight yet? Have you spoken to Mark about it, or is it all sort of... Uh, you know, smoke and shadows and mirrors and all that sort of stuff. I've, I've had enough on my plate to have a catch on that one, but uh, I'm, I'm sure it went very, very well. I think it was just basically a toe in the water and an opportunity for these guys to hear Sean Seamer's vision for the for the sport, for the future, okay. and and a, and a real, really good opportunity to get everyone everyone at the table or on the same phone phone call, so to speak, to uh, to initiate some of those conversations about what the future looks like. It's a great starting point. Okay, downforce. There's a lot of murmurings about downforce at the moment and, and changes, maybe not necessarily related to parity and Mustang, but in general, are you assuming that this is going to happen? It appears from some of your comments, Ryan, earlier and, and Roland's that it is just a part for the course in the future. Which is a really challenging one, isn't it? I mean, you, you look at NASCAR this year and they've gone up in downforce and their mm. race has arguably never been better, but then you look at categories F1, like Formula 1 yeah. where they take downforce away and... and uh, and they do that to try and improve their racing. So I think that there's a, there's not, it's not exactly an exact science, but uh, I think whatever we do, we have to do the right way. And I think there's still quite a bit of water to go under that bridge before we make any firm decisions of the course of action that we take heading into 2020. Okay. Control chassis, if a new one is bought in, I assume Ford would change the Mustang to be more similar looking to the road-going Mustang, or are you too far down the road in terms of development that that would be too hard to alter it if the category does change the uh, the chassis rules? I think we're a long way away from seeing a new chassis. I think that's okay. Gen 3. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. But okay. there's no doubt that uh, that any any existing manufacturer in the sport would take advantage of any change there. I mean, you're not going to want to continue with the existing car unless you absolutely had to. Mm. Uh, basically, if... if you would assume the main roll hoop would be lowered if yep. the, if the control chassis is chassis is changed, and you'd be a fool to yourself and a burden to others if you didn't take advantage of that. You would. Um, well, contract time is starting. That's going to be our next phase. We know there are so many drivers coming off. Are you locked in for next year, or is yours a one year? Uh, yeah, I'm just just cruising along with Phil. I've, I've definitely yep. got got Phil's back, and um, you know he just put his toe in the water coming into the team last year, and it was a really unique, um, really unique sort of deal that I did with him. Where you know we we both want it for the right reasons. You know, at the end of the day, um, he's given me a great opportunity, and. I said, as long as he wants to keep going and keep driving, uh, keep running the team, that yep. you know, if he wants me, I'll, I'll I'll sort of be there for him. So I didn't want to be locked in. Uh, yep. You know, don't want to drive somewhere if someone doesn't want you there, and, and vice versa. But um, absolutely, I've committed to Phil, and uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be staying with him next year.
And he's loving it, isn't he? I saw him in the um, four of our hotel the other day and he's just he just doesn't seem to stop smiling at the track. You might see the other side of him sometimes after a certain qualifying sessions, but in general, he seems to be just loving uh, taking this leading role in the team. Uh, he does, you know. Um, he, yeah, he doesn't he doesn't stop um, behind the scenes. You know, he's he's always got something going on, and uh, yeah, always always trying to better better our situation, whether it be the business model and the performance. He just leaves up to us, but he, he's passionate. You know, he wants to do well, and he sort of just uh, he backs me and puts full faith in me. And uh, but yeah, he's always always looking at any little detail, any little area we can be more efficient or. Better and uh, you know I really just uh, want to do well for him. To be honest, he's uh, yeah. you know he's he's a he's sort of a purist. He's he's there for yeah for the for the right reason. You know he just uh, he wants to be successful and um, yeah. It's hopefully I can I can get him some results. Absolutely, he's one of the most loved members I think of the uh, paddock, and he's getting this close to a podium. So we wish uh, you both well with that. Ryan is Fabian in charge of his own destiny. I think that goes without saying. So if he continues to get podiums and perform at the level that he's currently operating at, it would be very hard to do anything but embrace him further for the future. I think that's safe to say. Look, we never comment about uh, contract links or any of those things. We leave that to you media types. But uh, Fabian's doing the job for us at the moment. He's he's, he's snagged a couple of wins and uh, he's a regular on the podium and, and that's really all that we need. That's all that we require of him to be doing at the moment. Is it conceivable that Scott could leave at the end of this season to go to the US? Is it too soon or is that a chance? Look, it's it's not something that we've actively talked about. It's not something that we've got plans for at this stage. It's probably too soon to, to really state with any degree of certainty as to what his movements might be. But, look, his aspirations are well known. That's where he wants to yeah. find himself at some point in time and Roger's even gone on the record saying that he'd love to see uh, love to see Scott in the NASCAR at some point in time too. But those things don't happen overnight. Programs need to put into place. Sponsorship needs to be put into place. And uh, as it stands right now, there's nothing uh, nothing planned. Because it's not like he could jump straight into NASCAR, is it? That's not the expectation from him and, and Roger. There'd need to be Xfinity or, or other series first. Yeah, yeah, they would be jumping out of the frying pan into the fire for sure. Yeah. I mean, there'd yeah. have to be a structured program around that. And I think no one's under any illusions of anything different. Yeah. Well, for you, are you just loving being even in the sport sometimes this year? You're pinching yourself at all given Newcastle last year. Obviously, you thought that might have been the end of their times this year where you're really just making the most of it and enjoying the fact that, that you're there and competing at the front of the field again. Uh, yeah, it is nice. I suppose I've, uh, I've ridden the waves over the last mm. 10, 10 or 12 years, um, just trying to get, um, I wouldn't say that confidence back. I've never really lost confidence in myself, but uh, just getting that belief back that, uh, you know, I, for so many years I was a championship contender and, um, you know, just getting that belief back that that's where I, I should be and know that I'm capable to be there. So um, certainly just trying to enjoy my racing, enjoy the experience, um, but not getting too comfortable, you know. I don't want to just be there to pick up, pick up the pieces, you know. Yeah. I, I believe I've got my best years ahead of me coming up in the next few years. Um, but it is that kind of sport where you need a few stars to align, and um, you know there were many years where, when say you took for granted, you'd have a good drive or have a new contract offer put in front of you, but all of a sudden, um, you know that that can change. So there was a bit of a. Uh, a reality check late uh, late in 17 where all of a sudden things were looking a bit tricky there for a little bit. Um, but fortunately, I think everything happens for a reason. And uh, as I said, the phone call I made to Phil 
um, you know, our stars aligned and, and we're sort of bit by bit putting our program together and it's, uh, it's, it's getting better and better. So I found myself in a good spot and it's, it's up to me now to, to deliver and, um, you know, I still want a bit more out of myself, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm as motivated as ever for sure, but just enjoying it. Ryan, when do you need to have your contracts sorted with your guys? Is there a, a month or a race or a day that you're going to call me and tell me what's happening? Thugsy, you're a very clever man, but like uh, if I refer to my previous comments, we don't <laughs> normally talk about contracts or contract positions, and uh, and that uh, that's that's still the case today. Right, sooner rather than later. <laughs> you, you might very well think that I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> uh, well, you're not going to give it up, so I'll leave it alone. Uh, Two-day supercars for Winton this year. Of course, that's our, our next round. Uh, what do you guys think of that, condensing everything so we have practice qualifying racing across the two days and supports on the Friday? Thumbs up or down? I'll go thumbs up. Brian, what do you reckon? Oh, look, I, I, I tend to agree, but probably for different reasons to you, Will. I, mean, like, I don't have the fortune of being behind the wheel of a race car. But, uh, any, any less day spent on the road is a good is a good one for me. And I think that what it does is it congests, congests all the action over that two-day period. You get good crowds. You get a lot of fan interest. It makes for a better TV product. I think it's great. Where we can do it, we should. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes extra practice is good Friday. You get Friday night um, to tune the car, think about it. But on the other hand, I think short, sharp, uh, one session straight into qualifying certainly changes the game and uh, will benefit someone and, and disadvantage the other. And it certainly adds a new variable into it. Um, and I think, you know, we get the co-drivers in the cars Saturday morning. That'll be a crucial session. Yeah. Uh, more so than usual because the feedback we get from them and the read they give us on the car will really be, um, you know, quite powerful for our one and only sessions. So I think, uh, yeah, I think I think we should do more of it. There are some events we don't need to be away for as long as we are. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's certainly we – it won't change the racing. It won't change the entertainment. It'll just be more compact and less standing around. <laughs> Alex will be there. Sorry, Alex will be there, Will. Uh, yes, yeah. Yep. Albert Al, Al, Al will be there. Yeah, my, Sorry, my, my Alex will also be there. So there's ah, a bit of good. For you. Well, that was the next question, and you've just given it for me. So he will be there. Great. Okay, when does he arrive, and how long do you have him for at your disposal? I've approved all his travel, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't recall from memory. But I know that he's hanging around for a few days and then flying straight out almost afterwards. But uh, that'll be his first track time in a Mustang. He did a ride save with us uh, early last year in the Falcon to get some miles up. So this is the first time that he's been in a Mustang, and uh, I think. To be fair, those two-day events only really work at the permanent circuits. They don't really. It doesn't make sense economically at a street circuit, but at a permanent circuit, I think it makes it makes good sense. Yeah, of course, a lot of costs involved with shutting down street circuits, permits, etc., in place, uh, as you refer to, Ryan. Um, tell us how hard is it having Alex not here, not available all the time? Does it become a factor in what you're trying to achieve at all, or do his results speak for themselves? Well, I think his re results speak to him for themselves. He was the fastest co-driver at Bathurst last year. I think he does a hell of a job for us. He gets our team. He knows our people. He's been a, a fixture here for three seasons now. And, and we've got great continuity with our co-drivers. And you can never discount that as a factor heading into those long races. Guys who know the team, know the cars, and know what it takes to uh, to get the most out of them. And obviously, you'd like to be able to give these guys more track time, but you make the most of what you've got. 
And uh, these guys are both driving competitively in series, uh, both here in Australia and in the United States. So they're keeping their miles up, and that's all we can really ask of them until they step into a supercar. Okay, Will, what's the number one factor at Winton in a couple of weeks' time for you in terms of getting around there as quick as you can? It's a cool, cool little track. We have a lot of fun there. But uh, if you were going to be giving uh, Alex some tips, as into Prema, what would you be saying to him? Alex Prema some hang tips? On, hang on, I'll take, I'll take notes. Hang on, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, don't, I don't think there's anything I can really add to, uh, to help those guys at the moment. <laughs> No, I mean, Winton, uh, yeah, we haven't had the chance to run there this year, uh, being the test track for Tickford. Uh, it's unusual you try and get a test day in before you race um, at your home circuit, effectively. But, uh, yeah, I think the last couple of years there, since they resurfaced, Winton certainly changed the nature of the circuit and the way we attack it. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we went into a fair bit of detail yesterday as to how we, we want to roll roll our cars out, um, although the surface type probably not too dissimilar to to Perth. Uh, there were some certainly parallels there uh, with the way you get your tyres prepared, um, but certainly the setup will be quite different. Winton is quite unique, uh, the way you, you try and set the car up for the for that middle sector, you know, quite a few tight corners and, um, you know, you can you can certainly attack your setup in a, in a unique way around there. So it's, it's been quite a fun circuit since I've resurfaced it. You can really get your teeth stuck into it, really drive the car hard around there in qualifying. And um, it is always a tough one to get the balance right, but uh, I quite quite enjoy winter now with the new surface. Ryan, does Prema fly first business or do you put him back in, uh, in economy? <laughs> Listen, it would be remiss of me to make those sorts of comments. Suffice <laughs> to say that he will arrive refreshed and, refreshed and ready to go. <laughs> no, hopefully not too many refreshments. It's a long, long flight. Um, Ryan, for you, the Mustang, how do, how do you think and your team, Ludo, et cetera, think it'll handle Winton? Obviously, Fabian won there last year, so it's a pretty strong track for you, is it? Yeah, look, it's been a happy hunting ground for Fabian over the last couple of seasons and we, we expect nothing different and we go there uh, having a having a good understanding of, of the track and how it's evolved over the last couple of seasons since it's been uh, resurfaced. So we're, we're really excited to head there. All right. Uh, Will, now you're with, Do- uh, you're with Ducati still? Are you still an ambassador or have a relationship with them? Correct, yes. Yep. Did, did you see that Dovi, as in Davizioso, yes. MotoGP yeah. land, is racing for Audi in DTM in the German Touring Car Masters? Your job is to make sure that Dovi gets into a seat in supercars. Can you link that up somehow? <laughs> no, probably not, but uh, <laughs> I did see that last night. Fantastic. I think that's, uh, that's very cool, so... Uh, I had to check it wasn't April 1st um, yesterday or some other day, but I hadn't even read that he'd done a test in the car, so it should be a bit of an eye-opener for him. We might try and get you on the back of his bike, get some sort of relationship happening down at uh, the Australian Grand Prix. Or, Ryan, yeah. we could maybe get both of you to have a, a two-seater lap because you've got the shell relationship there. Surely that would work, right? Hey, look, we'll figure something out. I'd just, just like to, just given that given that we've just pointed out to Will's personal sponsors, I'd just like to uh, uh, just address my personal sponsor, my own wallet. Uh, it's treated me well over the years, and uh, I don't know where I'd be without it. So thank you very much. I used to do a bunch of track days on my Panigale. I started getting a little too into it, to be honest. I was uh, probably just seven, seven or eight days to the point where the insurance on my uh, company, Ducati, probably wouldn't cover it. So I had to go and uh, buy myself a track bike because I was pretty keen to sort of 
test the limits, but... <laughs> well, I am about to get my uh, license. It's been a while since I've been a bike, so you can hook me up with a scrambler or something too. I'd love that. Um, no now, worries. We've seen, got a deal uh, for you. Boy, have we got a deal for you. Beauty. You're adding 20% <laughs> instead of taking it off, I bet. Uh, we've seen Lewis Hamilton dabble a little bit in bikes and, and Rossi likewise. Now, for memory, you actually were in similar circles to Lewis back in the day earlier in your career. Is that right? You spent a bit of time with him? What, what was he like yeah. back then? Was he different sort of personality to now? Uh, well, I mean, I think, of course, he's uh, developed as a as a person. I'd, uh, you know, he's obviously been incredibly successful and uh, I think he's, he's he's still pretty true to who he is himself deep down. Because uh, he was quite shy, wasn't he, from, from what I understand from other people in, the, in those circles at the time? He was. I mean, we did two full seasons together, a British form of the Renault in 2002. We both ended up actually equal third in the championship that year and then the Formula 3 series the next year in uh, the UK. Um, yeah, I was quite close to him in Formula the Renault. He was, he was the kid that rocked up, um, you know, massive media fanfare around him with the McLaren backing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just this young kid that you could see a lot of the other British drivers were, were quite envious and jealous of him. And uh, always trying to put him down, and um, but uh, yeah, you could see he had massive talent. I had a couple yeah. of great battles with him all year long, and uh, he was very shy. I do remember you could see he'd been programmed to race Formula One. You know, a few times I went out with him, it was like, you know, it was the first time he'd ever been out. You know, and he was he, he was willing to be pretty loose. I reckon. So <laughs> you, you know, you can see how he uh, he struggled growing up a bit, I reckon, with all his success. Yeah. Um, but he's he's found his way now. He looks like a pretty happy chap. Oh, I think they picked the wrong guy, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, the backing, the backing he had, the McLaren backing, and yeah, and he, he executed. You know, he had an amazing opportunity, um, but he delivered every yeah. every step of the way. Ryan, you love Mark Webber. You're a big Webber fan. From memory at OzGP, you had some suits. I think you were chasing to get signed. You got them done, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, I've got yeah. A, I've got quite a reasonable memorabilia collection. So, what else have you got? Well, I've got a lot of things as a as a result of having zero talent whatsoever behind <laughs> the wheel. I've got a couple of Santa helmets. I've got a couple of Webber suits. I've got a Prost helmet. I've got all sorts of different things. Wow, that's very cool. Very cool. What, and, what uh, Santa helmet you got, Ryan? I've got one from each year of him in the championship. I know you've got one as well. I've got two that were worn and one that was a demo. So. Oh, wow. Unreal. That, that is very cool, especially Don't given that. Don't ask me how much. Please do not ask uh, me how much they cost. I, have a, they I cost? have a Schumacher race worn from 96 Hungry. I have, Ooh, a, I have a Schumacher yeah. from, from Spa 2004, and I've got the same matching overalls, gloves, and boots to go with it as well. Wow. And how much did that cost? Don't ask. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've got some really cool uh, media accreditation tags from a few (laughs) F1 Grand Prix over the years, and that's that's about it. Uh, I've also got got Berger. I've got Gerhard Berger race-worn gloves from, from I think, the 92 Adelaide Grand Prix. I've got all sorts of stuff. It's all over the place. All right. Very well, cool. next time we're up there, you can have Will and I over, and we'll have a, a frothy <laughs> and have a walk around and have a look. <laughs> I've also got plenty of watches and Dick Johnson memorabilia as well. I've got I've, 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 I spend money on stupid shit, and it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a great character for. Mate, mate, just make sure they're locked up when we come by. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Great to catch up with both of you. We appreciate it, and uh, go well at Winton. Hey, will do. Thanks. Thank Thanks a lot. Much.
Cheers, Ryan. You get some rest too, Ryan. It has been a big couple of weeks. All right, so this has been the Loud Pedal Podcast brought to you by Super Cheap Auto. If you can find a cheaper price, they will beat it. We'll catch you again in a couple of weeks' time on the Loud Pedal Podcast brought to you by Super Cheap Auto.